I want to share a few words with you uh, this afternoon as well. I remember distinctly going to church twice a year as a kid, uh, Christmas Eve and Easter, and both times I distinctly remember uh, being in the, in the pews or in the chairs and thinking as I look up at the pastor, hurry this up, preacher man. I've got a, a pile of food and a stack of gifts waiting at grandma's house right after this is over, so the faster you're done, the faster I get to go do that. So I don't want to keep you too terribly long because I know grandma's probably got some good things in store for you. But I do want to share some words about the joy and the wonder, the significance of Christmas. It was Forrest Gump, I believe, who first said it. Life is like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get. And that's true unless you stick your thumb in the bottom of the chocolate before you eat it. And then you can check to see what you're going to get. And you put it back if you don't want it, right? Oh, I'm the only one. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. But regardless, regardless of how you eat your chocolate, there's a lot of truth to that statement, isn't there? Life can be kind of random at times. But as I was thinking about it the last couple of weeks, I honestly believe that life, it looks and feels a lot more like this than it does a box of chocolates. Watch this video. That's a good view. Oh, oh my God. Oh, this is the What's all this about? Uh, one point. It's rubbish. pay good money to go on those things. Isn't that what's crazy? But tell me, tell me that face right there just doesn't say it all, right? I mean, life truly is a roller coaster ride, ups and downs, twists and turns, highs and lows, and the occasional loss of joy or maybe the loss of your lunch. If there were ever a character in the Bible who understood what it meant to, to live a life that looked and felt like a roller coaster. It had to be a guy by the name of, of Joseph. I've got a little monologue here to give you a little bit of insight into what may have been going through Joseph's mind that fateful night 2,000 years ago. Watch this. That night, after the shepherds left and all of our visitors left, Mary went to sleep. But I couldn't sleep. I just sat there looking at my new baby boy. Even he was fast asleep. And I tried to make sense of all that had been happening. You see, I'd been told that this baby was the savior of the world. But by that logic, the savior of the world had spit up on my shoulder a few minutes earlier. I started to have these nervous, overwhelmed feelings that all new fathers must have. But I wasn't like all the other new fathers. See, like, what was my role? See, I'm supposed to teach him right from wrong. But he is right. That's what he is. And I'm supposed to teach him how to fish, but he created the fish. And if I'm understanding this right, he would someday control the fish. I started to 
panic, to feel relevant. What was I supposed to do? Then I thought, my role was to get him safely delivered to the earth. I looked around at the filthy barn, the manger he was lying in, the barnyard animals all around. I hadn't even done that well. I had failed him. Then it dawned on me, I'm going to keep failing him over and over and over again for the rest of his life. I will never be able to do anything good enough for him. My chest started to grow tight, and I wanted to be anywhere else but that barn. Be any other man. Be anyone else's father. Then for no reason that I could see, he opened his eyes. He looked at me, and this feeling of love overwhelmed me. My love for him, his love for me. I realized I'm not alone in this. Everyone, all of mankind, is going to keep failing him over and over and over again. And he's just going to open his eyes and look at us with love. All we have to do is trust him. So that night, while Mary slept, that's what I did. I held my baby boy, I basked in his love, and I trusted that I could do this. And I trusted him. You see, a lot has been said over the years about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and for good reason. I mean, she was the one who was visited by the angel and impregnated by the Spirit and who had to give birth with these guys breathing down her neck. But not a whole lot has been said about the earthly father of Jesus, a man by the name of Joseph. We know of this guy, Joseph. Well, he lived in a small, poor, probably illiterate town called Nazareth. He was a carpenter, which most likely was what his father had done and then what his father before his father had done. But besides that, the only other thing we know about him is that he's engaged to a young girl named Mary. We aren't given a lot of details into their relationship, but I imagine it it probably happened like all other great romances. They stalked each other on Facebook, sent some cute emoji texts, some borderline inappropriate Snapchats, you know, the usual stuff. But Joseph wanted to be with Mary forever. And so, like the great prophet said, he put a ring on it. He engaged himself and promised. See, the the 2 p.m. got that joke, but you guys didn't. You guys needed... But just as he's selecting his final groomsmen and just as he is putting the finishing touches on his wedding gift to Mary, his life takes a major turn and he jumps on that roller coaster called life. Um, Joseph? Yes, Mary? Uh, can you take the headphones off for a second, put the tools down? What? What'd you say, babe? Uh, we need to talk, dear. Oh, no, don't worry, don't worry. I know your aunt can't have peanuts or gluten or dairy. There's going to be a special cake just for her at the wedding. Oh, oh, and speaking of sweet treats, honeymoon. Got it booked. Three nights, all-inclusive, Mediterranean Sea, baby. This is going to be awesome. Just me and you. Yeah, well, about that, uh, there will actually be another joining us. See, in that moment, as as Mary proceeded to explain what had happened to her and who was miraculously growing inside of her, I can't help but think that Joseph looked and felt a lot like this. But we know how that feels, too. You see that bald British guy on the roller coaster? He's not the only one that has felt that before. That's the feeling you get when the relationship ends suddenly and sourly, and and for no good reason. That's the feeling you get when the diagnosis comes back much worse 
than you even expected, had planned on, or even been praying for. That's the feeling you get when the family falls apart or when the layoffs are made, when the rejection letter or email comes your way. We all know that feeling. That's the feeling of life. And Joseph certainly knew that feeling. Oh, there was great joy when the angels announced the birth to Mary, but I just don't think there was that same level of joy when Mary announced the birth to Joseph. Matthew 1.18 tells us more. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. See, most guys can't probably give you, and for good reason, the nitty-gritties or the details of how babies are made, but they have the basics probably down pat. A woman gets pregnant when she sleeps with a man. That's kind of how it happens. In fact, the only way it happens. But the Bible makes it clear that Mary and Joseph had not been together in that way. They had not been together sexually. And now Mary is with child. And so that means, Mary, if you were not with Joseph, then who were you with? If Joseph didn't impregnate her, who did? And cheating, I mean, cheating is devastating in any culture at any particular time, especially when marriage is right there on the horizon. But it was especially devastating in the first century. See, to be engaged was, was literally a legally binding agreement. It connected you and your families and your assets together in a way that's even stronger than marriage today. And so Mary, if in fact she has slept with another man, is not only breaking Joseph's heart, she's breaking the law and she's breaking all Jewish rituals and customs. And that's how Joseph would have seen it. I mean, how else... Can you see all of this? The text tells us that he's faithful to the law, and so he has to do what the law says, which is divorce her. See, according to the law, if Mary can't be trusted in this way, then moving forward, she won't be able to be trusted any other way. But he's a good man. It's a righteous man, this Joseph, and so he wants to do it quietly. He doesn't want to add to the chaos or add to the mess, and so he wants to do right by her even now. He wants to do it quietly and secretly and just let everybody kind of go their own way. And just when he thought the roller coaster ride was over, just when he got to the top, oh, hold on, reverse. You got to ride the thing backwards now. Look at Matthew 120. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from all their sins. This took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Did you see what happened right there? He went on the roller coaster ride this way, and then it stopped over here, and now he's got to go all over that ride again. It's not over yet. 
He went from engaged to enraged, I'm sure, to calling the whole thing off to moving forward with the whole thing. That's called a roller coaster ride. But that's life, isn't it? But what I want to point out is that Joseph got through it. And the way the text speaks about it, he did so with grace and dignity. That This didn't mess him up forever. So how? How did he get through this? How did he move past the pain and the shame? How did he have the strength to take Mary on as his own, even though he has no clue what's really happened in the past? How did he not lose it right now? How did he not let this break him or ruin him? Well, all month here at West Bowles, we've been in a sermon series called Gift Exchange. Here's the basic gist. Every character in the story of Jesus' birth brought a gift to God. Now, it's the wise men who typically get the credit for bringing the gifts, but every character brought something to God and in that moment received something extraordinary from God. Well, the wise men, yeah, they definitely did bring gifts. In addition to gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they brought their search, their search for meaning, their search for happiness, their search for truth, their search for answers. They brought that to God and in exchange, God gave them Jesus. Because Jesus is what our hearts are looking for. It's what our hearts are longing for. Mary, well, Mary brought her plans for the future, her hopes and ideas of, of what the rest of her life would look like. She brought all that to God, and she gave it over to him. And in exchange, God made her a part of his eternal purposes. He took her little story that would have been forgotten, and he made it part of his eternal story that will never be forgotten. And here in this text, we see a third great exchange take place. It's the one that Joseph made, and it's one I think that many of us need to make as well. The exchange is this. We give God our anxiety, and he will give us his assurance. We give God, gift God, if you will, uh, here you go, all of our anxiety, and in exchange, he will give us his assurance. I mean, given everything that happened, I am sure Joseph was a tad bit anxious, do you think? I mean, I'm sure he questioned his decisions and whether or not he was making the right decisions. I'm sure he wondered what kind of labels would be on him and Mary and this child. I'm sure he wondered if this would work out or if things at all would ever work out again. I'm sure he asked all of these questions and had all these concerns. But in that moment, when his anxiety was at an all-time high, God offered him a great exchange. He said, Joseph, I will take all of that anxiety from you and I will give you something else in its place. See, it was in that moment when he was worried and stressed out and so fearful about the future, God came down and said, I'm going to give you a great gift, Joseph. Give me all that anxiety. I'm going to give you my assurance. I'm going to take all your why me's, what ifs, what could have been's, worst case scenarios, and I'm going to replace them with assurance. Look at the assurance that Joseph receives that night from the angel. He is assured that God knows him. I love it, the angel calls him out by name. This is not a, hey you, or you guy over there, or hey you get up, with whatever. It's you, Joseph. I know you by name right now. Your world is spinning out of control. You are totally stressed out and worried, but you may not even know who you are, but I know who you are. You are Joseph, and I know you by name. That should be very assuring to you. The second, second thing that he is assured of is that God sees him. 
the angel not only describes all that has happened up to this point, he also describes what Joseph has been thinking. He's probably saying, I know what you're thinking, Joseph, but it's not what you're thinking, Joseph. I've been with you every step of the way. This might have caught you off guard, Joseph, but it hasn't caught me off guard, Joseph. I see you, and I see exactly what you're going through. That should be of great assurance to you. He's also assured that God is with him. I love how the author of this story throws in this little side note, and he will be called Emmanuel. Oh, and you want to know something awesome? It means God is with us. Not God is over us or God is mad at us or God occasionally thinks about us. No, God is with us. And in moments like this when our world falls apart, when we're on the up and down of that roller coaster ride, we tend to think what? God, where are you right now? And in this moment he tells Joseph, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. That should be of great assurance to you. And finally, Joseph is assured that God has good plans for him. The angel makes it clear that all that is happening in this moment is actually going to turn out for Joseph's good. And not just his good, but the good of all humanity. God knows it's strange and uncomfortable. It doesn't make sense. You wouldn't have chosen this for yourself. But that's when the God who knows best is typically at his best. This is going to work out for you. You're going to be just fine. It's actually going to be for your good, he says. That should be of great assurance to you. And as a result of being assured in these ways that God knows him, God sees him, God is with him, and God is going to work this out for him, he's able to hand over all of the anxiety, all of the stress, all of the worry. He gives it over, and he receives the assurance, and he moves forward like a boss. <laughs> I mean, he takes her as his wife. He leads this woman. He has no idea what's really happening. He leads her through this crazy march down to Bethlehem. He helps deliver the baby. He answers all the questions. He moves through this with such courage and such confidence. Why? Because he made the exchange. He gave God his anxiety, and he took a hold of God's assurance. How about you? I mean, is that an exchange you honestly need to make right now? Is your life filled with, marked by anxiety or fear or worry? Like Joseph, do you stay up late at night worrying about how things are going to work out? Do you toss and turn in your bed like Joseph? Even in your dreams, are you stressed out? Are you worried about the kids or maybe it's your parents? Are you worried about your health or the treatments? Are you worried about the debt or the bills? Are you worried about your future or your past? Are you worried about your safety or the country? Are you crippled by worry? Are you crippled by angst? Are you filled with anxiety? Well, imagine, imagine walking out of here today and never worrying or being anxious about anything ever again. Imagine exchanging all of those fears, all of that fret, all of those worries. Imagine exchanging all of that for God's assurance. Because what God told Joseph, he is also speaking to you right now. God knows you by name. He sees you and he knows exactly what you're going through. He is with you in the middle of that mess. And he is going to work this out no matter what it is. No matter how high or low this roller coaster ride has been, he is going to work this out for you. 
Now, I know even saying this right now, it kind of sounds like a, a cheesy infomercial, doesn't it? Like, sign up now for three easy payments of $19.99, you get a God's assurance. I know it just doesn't sound like it's real, but it is. Think about it with, this, this way with me. Have you ever noticed that the story of Jesus' birth does not begin with the words, once upon a time? Right? Once upon a time, there was this young couple madly in love. Once upon a time, there was this virgin who miraculously was impregnated by God. Once upon a time. No, no, no. Because once upon a time communicates, this really didn't happen, so don't get your hopes up. The story of Jesus' birth begins with names and dates and places. Do you know why? Because it really did happen. And you're supposed to get your hopes up. That's the purpose of the story. It happened to them just like that. And that means the same kind of thing can happen to us right now. Like Joseph, those who are overwhelmed with anxiety can trade that in for God's assurance. Let me see if I can explain this another way. I want the world to be envious of the dad that my girls have. I, I, want, I want the world to look at my girls and think, man, who's your dad? Right? I want my girls to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it, it, when, they, when they bring me something, if it's broken or if it scares them or if, if it hurts them, if it's stressing them out, causing them pain, I want them to know I'm going to take care of it. And I want them to believe with all of their heart that that is going to be true no matter what. And I want that to drastically change my girls' behavior. I want them to live differently as a result of that truth. You with me? Well, a few weeks ago, this all came to this beautiful conclusion out in our front yard. We're playing with the neighbor's kids. And the little remote control car that everybody's playing with breaks, stops working. And the six-year-old whose car this was is about to lose it. You can just see the panic and the fear, the trepidation. The tears are just about to flow. Well, my four-year-old daughter, Cassia, she stops him mid-scream. Like, whoa, you don't need to be upset about that. My dad can fix it. <laughs> now, I tried to play it cool in the garage. I was like, yeah, yeah, let me see. Bring it over here. But inside, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can fix it. Actually, I probably can't fix it, but at least you believe that I could. But I have to think that's how God wants us to view him. I don't know. I don't, don't be worried about that. I don't know. Don't be anxious about that. My God can fix it. Your broken home, your broken heart, your broken body, your broken spirit, don't worry about that. Don't be anxious about that. My God can fix it. And that's what will draw people closer to God, isn't it? The world's not going to come to know God personally if his kids are all stressed out or freaking out about everything. No one's going to be envious of a dad like that. Like, geez, you're always kind of up in a tizzy, aren't you? They will be envious of someone who handles cancer or death or divorce or depression or everything else in life with great assurance. Right? They will be impressed by a child who trusts their dad like that. It's hard, I know, it's hard. It doesn't matter how small or even how large our problems are. It's hard not to focus entirely on our problems, right? That's, what's, that's what we do. Here's what we do, a little, little analogy for you. We have a problem in life, right? And so we just kind of stare at the problem. Like, gosh, I don't know if you guys see this, but I, I got a problem here, right? Problem. 
problem, people. It's like, well, of course we can see it. It's all we can see. It's all you can see, too. All you can, you're blinded by your problem because all you're doing is staring at your problem. And the only thing other people can see when they look at you is your problem. People are thinking, well, stay away from that guy. He's got problems. I mean, a lot of problems. See, problems, problems. <laughs> and that same thing that could have been said of Joseph. A little question for you. What do you call a pregnant fiance you've never slept with before? Problem. <laughs> and that problem could have ruined and ruled his life. But instead of just focusing on the problem, he put it down. Instead of looking there, he looked up. And he looked to his God. And he exchanged all of his problems for the Lord's promises. Joseph exchanged his anxiety for God's assurance. And he made it through the most difficult of situations. And so will you when you make that same exchange. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. I've got a couple of special songs for you today as we close out our time together. But I want you to think about this. Words like confusion, loss, fear, anxiety, struggles, difficulty, doubt, uncertainty. Those are words that we all know because those are words that you encounter and you live through on this roller coaster ride called life. And Joseph knew that ride well. He had a front row seat on that ride. But he believed, and I want you to believe today as well, because this could honestly be, in my opinion, the greatest gift you receive the next couple of days, the gift of God's assurance. God knows you. God sees you. God is with you. And God will work this out. Whatever this is, he will work it out for you. You see, when you make that trade, when you give him all of the angst and the, and the anguish and the anxiety, when you give him all that stuff and you take his assurance, life doesn't look like this anymore. It wasn't intended to look like that. Let me pray for us real fast, and then I want you to listen carefully to the words of this song, and then we'll stand together and sing Silent Night as we close. Let's pray. God, you are an amazing God. There's just no better way to say it, Lord. Words feel so foolish and inadequate right now in light of who you are and what you're willing to do for us. God, we thank you so much for the story of Joseph that you didn't erase his story from the scripture, but you included it, God, because it's so important for us because we relate to him so well. We see ourselves in him. Can you imagine your life being turned upside down with a single word? Well, yeah, we can because a lot of us have had that same thing happen to us before. Maybe that word was the relationship ending or a sickness beginning maybe that word was the word death or loss or fear maybe that word is addiction or any number of things Lord with a single word many of our lives have gone on that roller coaster ride and we're thankful for men like Joseph God for that example that that guy was able to get, give all of his anxiety to you and in exchange receive your assurance, God. And what amazing assurance it is, assurance that we still receive today, assurance that you know us each by name. We are not strangers to you, God, long lost relatives, business partners, or pets. God, we are your beloved, and you know us by name. 
and you see us, God. You know exactly what we've been walking through, even in our quiet moments when we're hidden away and no one else knows what's going on. You are right there. That's because, God, you are also with us. You are not a God who is far removed, who is distant or aloof. You are so present. You are right here, so close we can touch you, God. And you promise you are so good and so strong and so sovereign over the world that you're able to work out everything, even the dumb things that we do or the horrific things done to us, God. You're able to work out all of those things for our good. So I pray tonight, God, as we leave this place, we give you, if you want them here, take it. Take our anxiety. Take our fear and our worry, God. It's yours. And in exchange, God, we have open hands even now to receive your assurance. Lord, you gave your son Jesus so we could live lives of peace and confidence and courage. Help us to not lose sight of that tonight. Please make it so now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.